0: We have met every single day of your life. I'm the whisper inside that will let you forget. Hello, my name is Defeat. I you know you recognize me. Just when you think you can win, I'll drag you right back down again. You've lost all belief. Oh, these are the voices, yes. oh, these are the lies, oh, I have believed in them for the very last I am no longer defined by all the wreckage behind, the one who makes all things new has proven it's true, let's take a look at my life, hello my name Good morning, everybody. Welcome to worship. Welcome to worship. You may be seated for just a, a second. Today we salute our veterans. We salute our veterans today. If you're here today and you served in the military, in one of the ar- one of the branches of the military, uh, we want to invite you to stand this morning. Whether it was voluntary or not, um, yeah, it's true, right? It's real. Yes, we have one person back there, yeah. We, we want to say thank you for your service. We want to say thank you for your sacrifice. Many of you saw things and, and went through experiences that we would never be able to understand, and it has made America what it is. We want to say thank you. So one more hand for our veterans. Thank you for serving us. Back up. <laughs> you know this, I hear the Saviour say, My strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me. Thine all being all. God. Jesus made it all, oh, all to him I owe. Oh, sin had left her crimson stain, he was. Lord now indeed I find I bow and thine alone and change the leper's fall and mess the heart of stone. Sing we with all your might Come on. Say Jesus made it all all to him I owe sin I left a crimson stain when he washed it away. away. And when before the throne I stand please. Jesus died my soul to save. I live shall still be Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as Sin I left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow He washed it white as snow He washed it white as snow Oh praise the one who paid my debt And raised his life Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life. Let's go ahead and bow for prayer. Thank you for this day. We honor you. We thank you for our children who are among us. Thank you for our teachers. Thank you for Terry. Thank you for all those who serve us in the children's ministry. God, bless our kids. I pray that their minds will begin to understand who you are and the, the truth of Scripture. Bless them today um, as they go Go before them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Kids, time for you to go. Thanks, guys. I want to invite you to remain standing. Bye kids, thank you. I'd like to read a prayer for you called um, Act of Approach. Um, you know, you know, when you when you approach somebody who's a king, right, you have to what? Approach right. Right? People have lost their lives because they did not approach right when they approach certain kings. true, it's true, even in the Bible. So let me read this prayer for you and I put the words on the screen so you can follow along because I'm going to go through it fast. Here we go. Benign Lord, I praise thee continually for permission to approach thy throne of grace and to spread my wants and desires before thee. I'm not worthy of thy blessings and mercies for I am far gone from original righteousness. My depraved nature reveals itself in disobedience and rebellion. My early days discovered in me discontentment, pride, envy, revenge, cynicism. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor the multiplied transgressions of later years, my failure to improve time and talents, my abuse of mercies and means, my wasted Sabbaths. My perverted seasons of grace. My long neglect of thy great salvation. My disregard of the friend of sinners. While I confess my guilt, help me to feel it deeply. And yet remember, there is hope in thee. And see the lamb that takes away my sin. Through him may I return to thee, listen to thee, trust thee, delight in thy word. Obey thee and be upheld by thee. Reserve my understanding from error, my affections from love of idols, my lips from speaking guile, my conduct from stain of vice, my character from appearance of evil, that I may be harmless, blameless, rebukeless, exemplary, useful, light-giving, prudent, and zealous for thy glory. We pray in the ever-strong, ever-powerful name that is above every other name, Jesus our Savior. Everybody say Amen. Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father. Our Defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in You. Descended into darkness. You rose in glorious light. Forever seated high. I believe in God. I believe in the name of I believe for I believe in the name of Jesus I believe in life eternal I believe in the virgin birth, I believe in the saints communion, and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection, when Jesus comes again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated.
1: Morning, Hillside. My name is Randy Fishback, longtime uh, member at the church here and current uh, director of Compassion, Justice, and Missions Ministries. Well, we've got a lot going on at Hillside, starting with a look back at last week. We had a service of remembrance, and quite a few people attended that. We celebrated the lives of um, 11 people who were um, related to or, or dear friends of uh, people who attend Hillside and then nine other Hillsiders who had passed away during the COVID period. And so it was a great time to just celebrate these 20 lives collectively. And I think it was, it was successful enough that we might look at doing that um, in the future again. It was just a really, a really nice time together. Well, looking forward, Next week, we're going to take both services indoors. So, oh, woo! okay, there's one vote. Uh, Oh, yeah, well, the band's going to vote for this because they they slap all that stuff out there every week. And and there's a number of reasons. The weather's turning, you know, it's foggy, it's cold. It's going to be... Beautiful today, I'm sure, at 11 when I have to make this announcement to that group. But, um, you know, things are changing, and we need to come indoors, and it's a lot of work to hold them out there. But we are going to come indoors for both services under the same conditions. We will mask up per the county uh, regulations for large groups. If you're in a group that's 20 or less and you're all fully vaccinated, you can meet at the church, and we have been doing that for some time. So that's, uh, that's allowed. And then next week, part of the service is going to be a God at work time. Why am I telling you a week in advance? Because we want you to really consider what what God's doing in your life and what you might be able to share with us personally. You know, just how is God stirring in you and, and moving you? So think about that, and we'll have that uh, that next week. Looking a little further. Out than that we have the Magi coming up. We hope you're getting your tickets for that. and coupled with this moving theatrical experience is the Freedom Fair, which is going to run all weekend uh, up till Sunday morning and it's not just um, you know, fair trade stuff from groups. there's some hillsider uh, donated. Items, and, and there's kind of a broad variety of things that support the anti trafficking um, group in this church. So we hope that you'll enjoy the Freedom Fair and get your Mag- Magi tickets soon. And then another way we're involved in the community is with the Christmas sharing tree. And I think we got this slide in here, great. Um, that's gonna run, we, you know, a lot of you know the tradition, we've done it for several decades. We'll have an actual tree in the lobby where you can take tags off. We've simplified, most of the tags are for gift cards. There are a few that are for actual items, but so many people were struggling to find a toy for a 17 year old boy okay you know what do I do with that so um, they've they've really been simplified and and please feel free to take tags we're still looking at, at whether we can do it online this year also so that you could go to the website and take a virtual tag and it would be the same way but so far we'll at least have the, the physical tree and that starts the weekend of Thanksgiving so we hope you'll uh, you'll engage in that and bless our community and, our, and the children in our, in our community that way it supports four different um, four different ministries um, then also Coming up is uh, the uh, search fundraiser, the Southeast Asia Rescue Coalition and Haven, the board that helps uh, operate the safe house um, in Southeast Asia. This is going to be a great fundraiser. Um, It's going to be mercifully. Tight because it's on Zoom, so this won't uh, this won't go on, you know, forever. But um, it, it has Jeff Reed doing some of his original poetry. Uh, he and his son Forrest are going to sing songs. Um, Lisa McGinnis, our own Lisa McGinnis, Lisa, you're, there you are, is going to read from her book uh, Beyond the Deep. Um, it, it was inspired by the events in Southeast uh, Asia. So it should be a great time. We just ask you to go to the website, search for searchforhope.org hope, and register. And uh, it, that'll make a donation and help fund the safe house. And I think that's it for our uh, announcements and our church life this morning. So um, we're going to take our offering now. I think you know that three ways to do that. You can go through the website, um, you can give through the church center app or you can bring a physical check here to the church. Let's go before the Lord in prayer Heavenly Father um, We're excited. It's it's coming up to the Advent season the the season that just uh, it, it, gives us opportunities to give in so many different ways Lord and so um, we thank you for this opportunity to to give to you just a token of what you've given us and and inspire us Lord to to give in other ways through the Christmas sharing tree and and through uh, Freedom Fair and just so many different groups blessed by that. We just pray that you would take these offerings and you would um, do your mighty work throughout the world. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, at this time, it is my pleasure to welcome a couple of guests among us today, Greg and Christy Faust. Greg and Christy Faust, come on up, you guys. Uh, Greg and Christy are um, covenant missionaries serving in Germany. They've served um, three tours there, Germany and Austria, as I understand it, late 80s to early 90s, late 90s to early 2000s, and then recently, 2016 to almost the present, right? And now, now they're in um, Santa Rosa for their year homestay because Greg grew up in, in Santa Rosa. And so, um, and they have four grown children. And But these guys don't want to hear from me, they want to hear from you. So here you go.
2: Uh, thank you very much, Randy. Uh, it's, it's really a privilege to be here. Um, we're not here for money you already to give to us. We're here to report back um, how Uh, we are your ambassadors to Germany and East uh, Germans and refugees and we're going to be showing a little clip here and then we'll talk a little bit more after that.
1: This generation of believers that you and me are a part of, we're responsible for this generation of souls all over the world. We're responsible for it. We're responsible to pray daily for the needs of ministries around the world. And ask God, how about me not sending my money this time? Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. (laughs) Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Open your eyes to the world all around you. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. This world is much more than the things that surround you. You must arrive. Open your eyes. Sometimes we're too busy to share. But Jesus wants us to care. To care.
3: Something else is the strategic um, importance of this place. So, Germany, East Germany, sits in the middle of Europe. It's a, kind of a conduit to the further east. so Poland, Estonia, so forth. Also to the west, it's connected. And through the uh, influx of about a million uh, refugees from the Middle East, this is a very important place to have Christians. The only problem is that there aren't very many Christians. If you think that only 2% of the people here or less are actually living Christians, people with spiritual water in them, the water of Christ in them, then what's the chances that the other 98% are gonna ever come in contact with those two percent and be able to um, begin to consider who Jesus is. So we're here to help encourage a church, reach refugees that are here, and to um, reach others that have little chance of knowing Jesus. Through our work with refugees, our, that has led us towards the idea of starting a church It is multicultural. We we sing and worship in Farsi, Spanish, English, German, Arabic, you name it, so that it's welcoming to other places and through that, through that openness to other cultures, even to people coming from other places, we also have come in contact with many Germans that we would never have gotten to know. But we share a heart for refugees, and so we have more of a heart connection with probably 20 or 25 people, or maybe even more than that, just
1: through working with when Jesus refugees. Says, when we touch someone in his name, we're touching him.
3: We love to have summer teams because, or any type of team, because you are a sort of a catalyst for other things to happen. So when a, when a group of people comes here, first of all, we are personally encouraged. Secondly, there's some spiritual um, stuff that happens here through your prayers, through your knowledge of seeing what's here and knowing maybe even later what to pray for and how to pray. Um, but also... Just through your presence, it's it's gives an opportunity for oh maybe we should involve this person or involve that person somebody else meet somebody, etc. So it, you become a catalyzer for future things. Okay, so some things that we have been doing are playing with kids. So sports is a great thing. You doesn't it doesn't require super high high language abilities. Taking the kids someplace. Um, doing sports with them is a great thing they like the experience they like having relationships um, we're doing an English camp among refugees but we would also like to do English camps that include refugees and German kids and German kids are typically looking to have some English camp experience during the summer so that's pretty
1: cool.
2: But actually, there's so much to be learned from other cultures, and that's what we find, is every day we're learning something.
3: Remember, this is a place where there are hardly any Christians, and people need to just meet Christians and see what is a living Christian life. To them, Christianity is just religion. They need to see that it's life. So we want to thank you for joining us. You've been uh, a part of all that in, uh, that ministry and we want to give God the glory this morning. Uh, maybe we even, even want to give him a hand for what he's done. Um, and and you have all been a part of that through your giving, through your prayers, through your um, friendship with us. And that's essentially what we've uh, been able to offer is a, a bit of friendship to a lot of people who needed someone who with Christ in them to offer this friendship. Now that video was made before the pandemic, as you maybe could have guessed. Um, Back then I had glasses on, now I have contacts, okay. (coughs) Woo, bringing it. Um, But uh, since then, you know, we've experienced all the same pandemic-y things that you guys have. And we've rolled from Zoom to moving, having services outdoors when it was allowed. And during that time, we started up alpha groups because some people started to come to our services outdoors, it was more public. Um, and we ran three different Alpha programs mostly on Zoom partially in our home a huge mix of different things um, but we saw people come to faith through that and have, have been growing and we just want to tell a few stories um, it's not just through Alpha but also in outreach to to refugees but just a few stories i I just want to tell a story about um, a young man who's from Afghanistan, and um, I can't say his name, um, and he came through a, just a terrible series of events. We met just before the pandemic started, basically, and he came to faith very quickly. It was amazing how God had prepared him, and his story was that he had come over these mountains, and I, and if you recall from the news, you know, some years ago, Isis was hot on the tails of, of people and they were they were in desperation and he was his father had been killed His sister had been abducted um, Horrible things happened to them and as he came over this mountain and down into under the coast around Turkey He thought if we can just make it um, God if you're there, could you get us to the coast? Could you make it so could somebody please pick us up and not leave us on the coast where we'd be slaughtered and God came through a UN group, uh, boat came up and um, uh, picked him up and brought him across to the other side uh, to safekeeping. And that's what God did something there. He prepared him along the way so that when we met, he had already searched the internet all about Jesus and read a zillion things and watched a zillion YouTubes. And so he was ready to say yes to Jesus. Um,
2: um, I was thinking about, this morning, um, talking about the how you adjust with the pandemic, and I was thinking of Samson and how his enemies figured out that his hair was where his strength was, and so they cut off his hair, but what happened when his hair grew back? And the pandemic's not forever, and there's lots of different creative ways and things that happen in these difficult times, not waiting for it to be done, but wh- where is God now where we are? And um, that, that was really encouraging. And d- just different things happen that you would never think. I mean, I don't think, we didn't think that our, we haven't had a, we made an alpha course that was in English, but we were doing it in Germany. So then we did it in Zoom to other English speakers. And um, Germans really liked practicing the English. Well, our son-in-law came to the Lord. His best friend came to the Lord since fifth, five years old. <laughs> just all these different things. He never just said, like that. And um, just all the different refugee women that I would work with, and we'd spend um, once, once a week um, being with them. And uh, we did stuff like face masks, you know, and they felt pretty. And then they would tell their story of how they had a child killed or how they um, had to watch something else happen. So all these things are right where God is at.
3: So we have a little table set up and we'd love to meet with you and talk with you and if you have any questions we'd love to answer them.
1: Great, I'm going to pray for you guys so just stay here and the table is straight in the back right out the back door so um, let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father we lift to you uh, Greg and Christy and their entire family Lord we ask that you would bless the work of their hands that in this year of respite and being stateside, that you would give them great uh, refreshment and uh, relaxation in a way that would just ignite them again and further for the uh, kingdom work that they do um, in Germany and and all over, Lord. Uh, We thank you for their lives. We thank you for their devotion and obedience to you, and we are blessed by it, and we are blessed to be a small part of of the work that they do. Thank you for bringing them here today, and uh, bless them as they go. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: All right.
0: your hands, galaxies spinning, a heavily dance, oh God, all that you are, so overwhelming. I hear the sound of your voice, all at once it's a gentle and thundering noise, oh God, all that so the power of your cross forgiven and free forever you'll be my God all that you've done is so overwhelming Oh God there is no one more beautiful you are beautiful God you are the most beautiful try this you are wonderful you are wonderful Oh God there is no one more wonderful you are wonderful God you are the most wonderful I've searched all over searched all over tried come on you are glorious you are glorious oh god there is no one more glorious you are glorious god you are the most glorious
4: Good morning to you. I'm Dan Seitz, senior pastor here at Hillside, and it is very, very good to see you. And Greg and Christy, what a joy to have you here! I, yeah, why don't you give them another, all the way from Europe. And uh, anyway, I just like uh, Randy said, we're delighted to have you here, and I can't wait to get to know you, become your friend, along with all these other folks who are your friends. So, uh, sometime after one of Jesus's most famous miracles, you could put it this way, one of his most famous feats of teleporting the party of the future into the present, which really is what Jesus' miracles were, the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 men. After this, Jesus withdraws for prayer. And in Luke 9, 10 through 11, Luke tells us that just before this, Jesus had planned a spiritual retreat for his inner circle somewhere in the sticks outside the town of Bethsaida. And unfortunately for Jesus and his very, very tired disciples, the crowds get wind of it, and they follow them there. Apparently, though, Jesus never took a boundaries seminar because when the crowds show up uninvited, at Mission Springs Bethsaida, or wherever they were, Jesus welcomes them, and he teaches them, and Luke tells us that he heals everybody who needs healing, and of course, as we just said, before the day is over, he will feed them all. Well, it's soon after this tremendous feeding miracle that Jesus finally gets some time to pray, and this is where our story begins, reading at verse 18. says this, now, it happened that as Jesus was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. So what do we have here? Again, Jesus is praying. He's talking to his father, and he's bathing in his father's favor, his presence, and his love, just like we can. And his disciples are nearby, and apparently he opens his eyes, sort of suddenly, I think Luke is suggesting to us, and he pitches this question, who do the crowd say that I am? Well, the disciples give their answer. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Other people say uh, you're one of the old prophets of old who's risen. Well, Jesus takes this in, and then he says, but what about you? Who do you guys think that I am? And this time, Peter speaks up for the whole group, and I kind of imagine with a confident smile, the Christ of God. You know, cue the band. This is a big moment in the story of Jesus. This is the first time in Jesus's public ministry that someone has correctly identified him as Israel's long awaited Messiah. And you might remember back in week one of this series, Galilee by Storm, we relived the story of Jesus calming the storm uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And in that story, after Jesus saves the disciples from sinking and drowning, the disciples are terrified. Possibly more terrified now after seeing Jesus' remarkable Yahweh-like power display, and they ask each other, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? And the question here is not rhetorical, they don't know who he is. They can't make sense of him, and the confusion about Jesus' identity is something that hangs over his life up to this point, and Luke makes much of it. It's a theme. But here, finally, we get a breakthrough of sorts. The disciples recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, at verse 21, we get a surprise. Listen to what Luke says. And Jesus strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Whoa! Jesus fires up a bit on the disciples. Luke writes that he strictly charges them to tell this to no one. And our sense of the tone that Jesus takes here with the disciples is enhanced when we consider that previously in the book of Luke, that same word translated strictly charged is translated rebuke. So what do we make of this unexpected rebuke that Jesus throws down on the disciples even after Peter answers correctly. And you probably know it's got to be that for the disciples, the penny of Jesus's particular style of messiahship still has not dropped. And that's why Jesus replies in the sharp manner that he does. We could imagine it this way. Here in verse 21, Jesus says to Peter and to the others what Inigo Montoya says to the Sicilian Criminal vizzini in the Princess Bride, after about the fifth time Vizini says, "Do you remember? Inconceivable, very good, Beth. Anyone remember Montoya's reply? He says, "You'll keep using that word. I do not think you know what it means. Jesus' point is that Peter is saying the right word, Messiah. But he doesn't understand what it's going to mean for Jesus. And yes, Jesus is Israel's Messiah, but no, he's not going to be the kind of Messiah that Peter expects. Yes, Jesus is absolutely going to win the great battle against Satan and against darkness and all the powers of evil that corrupt every corner of God's good creation. But no, he is not going to do it by piercing evil through with a sword. Rather, like the Son of Man, from the book of Daniel who triumphs through suffering, he's going to win that battle, but he's going to win that battle by being pierced himself, by going down into the grave and then being raised to new, indestructible life. Well, then Jesus goes on, and here we get an earthquake. It was an earthquake for Jesus' first hearers, the people who were right there when he heard him say this, and it is an earthquake for us today. But to feel the shockwave, we've got to remember the context. Again, Jesus has just performed perhaps his most remarkable act of power up to this point. So here, like we've been doing all throughout this fall series, Galilee by Storm, we got to fire up the imaginations. we got to turn up the imagination dial. Remember, just before this scene, Just before this scene, Jesus is out in the wilderness with 15,000 people. And as you know, the 5,000, that's only the men. It's getting cold. It's getting dark. The people are getting hungry. The kids are beginning to whimper, and the babies are beginning to wail. It's like 4 o'clock in the house when you have small children. Do you know what I'm talking about? You do no one has any food. Actually, that's not quite right. John tells us in his telling of the story that one kid in the 15,000 has a sack lunch, and he's willing to share it. That's what Jesus has to work with. One kid's sack lunch, but rather than bemoaning what he doesn't have, Jesus thanks God for what he does have. One sack lunch, five loaves, two fish, and a God for whom nothing is impossible. Well, Jesus takes the bread, he breaks it, he slices the fish, and he begins to pass it out to the disciples so they can pass it out to the crowds. Now, imagine, imagine what must have happened next suddenly the groans of the hungry crowd turn into gasps of surprise, of delight, of amazement as dinner is served. And who knows, but maybe someone in one of those dinner groups lights a fire and then maybe someone in another dinner group does the same. And imagine you're there. Take it in with your imagination. Imagine you're one of the disciples, and you look out over that whole plane, and what do you see? Blazing out of the dark night, 300 groups. Remember, Luke has told us that Jesus has already divided up the crowd. 300 groups of 50 happy, laughing people sitting around warm fire feasting on fresh fish, talking and singing and marveling over the power and the goodness of this Jesus, this Jesus for whom no words of praise are adequate, all under the stars. Now, teleporting back to our story, imagine you're one of the disciples there with Jesus when he pops up from prayer. And now imagine that a day or two before, you were one of the people who experienced that food flash bomb miracle, a miracle that you know people will be talking about 2,000 years later, and of course they will because we are right now, and then it's at that moment Jesus tells you that he's going to suffer, and he's going to be rejected, and he's going to be killed. Can you imagine trying to take that in after what you just experienced of Jesus's power and tenderness and generosity? Well, what does Jesus say next? Let's keep reading. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily And follow me. And if you are one of the disciples hearing this, you are even more rocked at this moment. It's not just Jesus who has a rough road to tread, it's everyone who wants to stay with him, which includes you, at least you used to think. What does Jesus' teaching here in verse 23 mean for us? How are we to understand if anyone would come after me? Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What does this mean? Several years ago, Allison and I were eating dinner with our two good friends, Andre and Steph Keim. And by the way, I have been praying... And the Hillside prayer team prayed yesterday in our Saturday morning meeting that God would send an Andre and Steph time to Hillside. And let me explain what I mean by that. Maybe eight years ago, Andre and Steph moved to Davis from Sydney, Australia, in order for Andre to begin a postdoc in bioengineering at UC Davis. And one Sunday, they dropped in at our old church, FBC Davis, and said in their charming Australian accents, we're here to love and to serve. And by the way, I wanna tell you, I practiced that line with my best Australian accent, and it kept coming out like a bad John F. Kennedy. So I, I, I resisted. But love and serve, they did, with abandon at FBC for two years. And these FBC outsiders, assumed the posture of FBC insiders, and they began serving by storm the people of FBC, inviting lonely people to their house for dinner, people who had been at FBC for 20 years, teaching Sunday school, serving at VBS, cooking meals for ministry events like our own Lynette Jenkins does and did for me just this past week, leading home groups. And Allison and I were two of the people They decided to be Jesus too in the two years that God gave them to be in Davis. And through their love, God carved deep lines in our hearts and so many other people at the church. And anyway, one night we're eating with them over this great lamb dinner that Andre made. And Andre told us that soon they were going to be visiting Zion National Park And they were looking forward to it. But he was emphatic. And this got my attention because they were Aussies. And all people from Australia are tough, hardy, outdoor people. And they told me that they were going to be hiking in Angel's Landing, but they were not going to hike the Angel's Landing Trail. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And so he told me that Angel's Landing is maybe the most dangerous trail in America. And it involves traversing a knife edge only a few feet wide up a mountain with a 1,000-foot drops on each side of the trail. And ascending it without falling and splattering on the rocks below requires holding on to a chain. I think Doug and Terry know what I'm talking about. Well, as soon as I got home, I Googled it. And since then, whenever I am in the strange mood to feel utter terror and the sixth sense is not on Amazon Prime video, I watch YouTube videos of people hiking angels landing. You cannot believe this trail. Now, why do I bring it up? Here's why. Because preaching Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Preaching that passage is the pastoral equivalent of hiking angels' landing. There are a thousand foot drops on each side. Maybe 500, 5000 foot drops on each side. And let me explain. On the one hand, in teaching this passage, trying to be true to it, I run the risk of turning us all into masochists, Right? with no regard for ourselves, our needs, our margin, our life balance, giving everything to the point of becoming stumps, like the stump in the giving tree. Do you know this book? Yes, touching, right? Disturbing? Yes, yes. But can you see how easy it would be to fall off the angel's landing of this passage in that direction? And after all, Jesus tells us that discipleship requires that we take up our crosses every day, and on its face, this sounds like spiritual masochism. That's the 5,000-foot drop to the right. The problem is we can also drop off the other side as well. We can smother this passage, which Jesus gave us, in vague, gelatinous, spiritual cliches like, well... Of course we know. It's all basically about grace, right? So moving along, nothing to see here in Luke 9. Ice cream, anyone, right? Can you see how easy it would be to fall off our biblical angel's landing in that direction? Well, we know intuitively neither of those options is acceptable. We know that in making sense of Jesus' words here, we need to somehow avoid those two extremes, and that's because we know that here in Luke 9:23, and it's talk about taking up the cross, which, by the way, comes up four different times in the Gospels, we are dealing with fundamental teaching that can't be tossed aside. But at the same time, we know that God's intention cannot be for us to draw no limits. After all, what is Sabbath? Like Stephen talked about in his great message back on October 17th, what Sabbath, other than some kind of limit, a barrier, a boundary for maintaining spiritual and emotional health. Well, friends, we're going to be exploring what taking up the cross daily means from many angles in the years ahead. We won't be able to avoid it as we look into Scripture. And, of course, we're never going to settle on a final answer, as this really is one of the most challenging questions of Christian living. But here's what I think, Luke 9.23, or the denying oneself, taking up the cross, and following Jesus, that triad, here's what I think it means at the least. It may mean more than this. I think it probably does. But here's what I think it means at the least. And this will be good for today. You ready? The decisive release of old priorities for the daily pursuit of Jesus. Let me say it again. What is Jesus calling for in Luke nine twenty three? What's he calling us to do today as disciples of Jesus? Here's what. The decisive release of old priorities for the daily pursuit of Jesus. And that's essentially what I think it means to take up the cross. How do I arrive at that? How do I get there? History helps us. I learned from Joel Green, great scholar at Fuller Seminary, that in the Roman world, when prisoners were condemned to death by crucifixion, they were made to carry their own crosses to the place of execution. And of course, we know Jesus experienced this himself. Well, when that cross was placed on a prisoner's back, he knew that he was a goner. His life was over. Well, Jesus has turned this very grim picture into a metaphor, but actually it's not as grim as we might first think. You see, to follow him as his friend and student in the company of other believers, which is what a disciple is, learning his way with other people, it basically means that recognizing that our old life, our old life, is dead and gone. Our old life of pride, prejudice, lust, selfishness, laziness, excessive concern about money or status and possessions, careless and cutting racial remarks, that that old life is dead and gone, but then a whole new life of being with Jesus enjoying his friendship, learning his way, and serving his peaceful, salvific purposes in the world, has begun. And as you can see, yes, that's a strenuous style of life, absolutely, but it's not grim. It's certainly not masochistic, because after all, it swaps comparatively trivial things for life with Jesus, the source of all joy both now and forever, and for me, the decisive release of old priorities for the daily pursuit of Jesus, his friendship, his way, his company, you know what, for me, that's a manageable path up the mountain, and that's one that avoids the masochism on the right and the pay-no-mind on the left. Now, maybe you're thinking, maybe you're here today, you're just exploring Christianity, and if that's you, you're in the room or you're watching on the screen, we're so glad that you are. We want Hillside to be a place where people from every spiritual starting point can come and just explore what Christianity is all about, centers on Jesus. But maybe you're thinking something like this as you explore, you know, I still don't know about this. The decisive release of old priorities for the daily pursuit of Jesus, that still kind of sounds tough. And despite what you've said, I still think you might have dropped off the right side of the mountain. I can see you flying down. But what's the payoff for a life like this? What do we get out of it? Well, Jesus addresses this question. Look what he says in verse 24. the question he tells us what the payoff is of the luke 9 23 life and you know what it is our lives we get our lives and first off as he says plainly in these verses we get our lives in the future when jesus returns and about this reference to the day of judgment which doesn't come up all the time you know here at hillside Part of our identity is to be brave Bible readers, and we are not the kind of believers who shy away from Scripture, especially the hard parts, especially the hard parts about justice and sexuality and money, and as people who are serious about the Word, we expect that sometimes God is going to say things to us in His Word that might kind of bother us a bit or tweak us a bit otherwise as my good friend back in davis dr stanford gibson used to say to our students over and over again otherwise if god's word never surprises us our christian worldview is probably just wish fulfillment right if god is who he says he is he's probably going to say things sometimes that we need to adjust ourselves around right Well, as hillsiders, as covenanters, we are serious about the word of God. It is the foundation of our faith. Well, here we get a challenging bit of that word to reckon with. Jesus says here as clearly as he can, how we respond to him in this age determines how he responds to us on the big day. And this is not a rogue verse. Jesus says the same sort of thing in Luke chapter 12. He says the same thing in Matthew 10. He says the same thing in Mark 8. But it's not just our future lives that we preserve through discipleship that he empowers through his own spirit. We also get our lives now because we get Jesus. And after all, the decisive release of the old is, as Jesus says in verse 24, for Jesus' sake. We get Jesus. We get to be near him. We get to hear him when we come before him in prayer. We get to share in the work that he's doing as we follow him everywhere, to Germany, to places around here, wherever the hurt is, wherever the need is. And over and above that, we get protection. And we get insulation from all the vain pursuits, all the -the gain-the-whole-world pursuits that just always ruin people, right? You know, anybody who's given her life to money or anyone who's given his life to status who's not miserable, you know, candidly, Luke 9, 23, the decisive release of old priorities for the daily pursuit of Jesus, you know what, to be candid with you, this is hillside. This is Hillside. And I saw it two Saturdays back in the eyes of the people serving at our respite day under Natalie's leadership and Ed Coltrane's leadership. Our service to families with children who have special needs. Our first one in two years. Praise God. Hillside is full of people who are climbing Angel's Landing. I see it all the time and managing to do so without tumbling off to the left or the right. But of course, we can always go further up and further on, right? The day is not here. The king has not returned yet. There's more time. And I got to thinking, you know, what if everyone here today, every hillsider, we to decide on one priority of the old life, just one thing from the old that we could just cast away in the interest of creating more space for the king, more space for interacting with him, feeling his love, more space for imitating him through practical service. And maybe that cast-off could be just as simple as just... Could start here. Just deleting one time-wasting app on the phone. (laughs) Just starting there. Maybe moving up a little bit. Maybe it could be thinking hard about our gifts, the needs of Hillside, the opportunities we have to serve. And maybe it could be, maybe, just looking ahead... And limiting the number of weekends that we'll be away so that we can preserve a good number of weekends to be here and to invest in the lives of fellow hillsiders while we have time. Not eliminating all the weekends. We need rest, right? We need Sabbath. But maybe thinking it through. What new grace could flow into our church if we all did that? What new life could spring up in our workplaces or our schools? What new goodness could flow into our homes, our relationships? Do you know, two years ago, on a trip to Zion National Park, two either courageous or very foolish hillsiders climbed to the top of Angel's Landing? Do you know this? Allison and I were not the two. It was Randy and Joy Fishback. They did it. They made it. Thankfully, falling neither to the right nor to the left. And friends, when it comes to the Angel's Landing trail of Luke 9.23, the discipleship trail, the denying ourselves, the taking up the cross trail, the following Jesus trail, you know what, just like Randy and Joy, we can reach the top two And that's because taking up the cross daily, you know what it ultimately is? It's ultimately choosing Jesus, choosing joy, choosing our very lives now and in the great day to come. Let me pray for us. Father, we are serious here at Hillside about continuing to live into the gift of your son, and we realize now is the time to do what we've been doing, but to do it with ever greater seriousness of purpose, making the pursuit of your son, our king, the one who is coming, our highest priority. Show us today what we might let go in order to enlarge our space for him for interaction with him, for imitation of him, and not least of all, through Australian-style service (laughs) to our fellow hillsiders, to our spouses, to our neighbors, to the fellow classmates, to our fellow group members. And we thank you that because Jesus died for us and rose again and gave us his spirit, we can keep climbing. And we love you.
0: Messiah Name above all names Blessed Redeemer Emmanuel The rescue for sinners The ransom from Jesus, Messiah, Lord of all. His body, the bread, His blood, the wine, broken and poured out all for love. The whole earth trembled and the veil was torn. Love so amazing, love so amazing, yeah, oh Jesus Messiah. For sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah. Song. That's the Redeemer. Come on. His name is Emmanuel. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, the rescue for sin. Just mess up.
4: As you can see, we have members of our prayer team here, in fact, the leaders of our prayer team, Floyd and Janet, are here to pray for us. We've got a big week coming up. We are agents of the King with lots of opportunities and responsibilities, some that will be a joy, some that will be a challenge, but we all have a full week, and we invite you to come up and to receive a blessing and a prayer for strength and a fresh measure of the Spirit. You're going to have to come fast because I'm going to use you. I'm going to have you pray for me first, okay? Unless Terry Knifing gets up here real fast, okay? And she's a hiker, and that's possible. Let me give you your benediction. Dear ones, may the decisive release of something old this week, may it be the occasion for something new some new possibility for interaction with Jesus, imitation of him for your good and for the good of everyone around you. God bless you. See you soon.